Hey everyone, this is Lou Rosenfeld, uh, and welcome to a new installation of the Rosenfeld Review. I am here today, uh, the very last day of February, leap day, with Susan Worthman, who is the Associate Chair of the Design MBA program at California College of the Arts. Hey Susan, how are you? I'm really well, Lou. How are you? I'm good. Good. Uh, and um, we were going to talk today um, about a, a, a topic that is so important that we've allocated one of the four themes at Enterprise UX, uh, the conference which we're producing in, in June in San Antonio, to it, Growing UX Talent and Teams, which um, I have a feeling goes beyond just uh, recruiting. Uh, there's a bit more to it, right? Well, there's absolutely a bit more to it, and it, the, the title speaks to it. It's growing UX talent in teams. The first step is getting them in the door. The next step is actually figuring out how you nurture the talent that they come up, they come in with to fit it to the needs of the organization, the projects, the teams that they're going to be assigned to. And then with luck, over the life of their tenure at the organization, which based on the monumental investments that people are making these days in UX talent, one hopes will be long and fruitful for both the individual and the organization as a whole. You have to then think about how do we grow them? What are those methods by which we nurture individuals' talents, nurture team talents, and then fundamentally assess performance and impact both from the standpoint of the individual as well as the team, but overall what that design function is providing, what value that design function is providing to the organization as a whole. Because for the most part, the people that are in charge of building these design teams are <laughs> answering to a higher power and having to justify the investment. It's all about getting products and services to market faster, getting better products and services out to market faster, more efficiently, being competitive. And design has to prove that it has what we all know it has, which is significant value to that, to accelerating that end. So in some respects, um, we really need to be thinking like HR people about what we do. And um, I wonder if that's something that's going to come up in any of the three talks is how we're aligned with HR. Well, why don't we mention really quickly the three people who are speaking uh, one is Adam Cutler, who's the Design Studio Program Director at IBM Design, and uh, you, are, you all may know already that IBM is uh, trying to uh, recruit something like, what is it, 1,000 designers over, or 2,000? 2,000 designers uh, in Austin, Texas, and so Adam Cutler is uh, obviously a big part of that. Uh, we'll also have Karen Pascoe, SVP of user experience at MasterCard, um, who's had some really interesting experiences uh, at other financial services companies as well as uh, PayPal, uh, which is, I guess, a financial service company. Uh, depends how you look at it. And then uh, Ian Swinson, 
uh, global head of UX at Anaplan, uh, who's got some fantastic experiences to draw on as well. So um, what are they talking about? How did, did, are they, um, are we trying to recreate HR in the process or aligning with it? And uh, it may be a better way to look at this is that it's, it's a design challenge that we're really grappling with here. It actually is a design challenge. And I think that in a recent conversation with the three of them, it was, it was interesting to hear Ian say that part of the challenge is that what do we mean by designer? that the definition of a designer has changed so fundamentally over the years, particularly in the last five to eight years. And therefore, the way job descriptions need to be written, the way that the way people need to think about who's right to bring in what skills and capabilities and POVs you want them to have to join the team. All of that is shifting so rapidly because the world of design has kind of exploded. And the degree to which organizations embrace so-called design or design thinking and say, oh yeah, 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 we got we to get some designers in. That may be lip service or it may be a real commitment and that organizational challenge for people like Ian and Karen and Adam, in in Adam's case, he's got kind of clear runway because of what IBM is doing, but what they are able to do in terms of building out their teams and the degree to which they can, to a certain extent, pull HR along with them rather than have HR have HR lead in this process is to a large extent dictated by the amount of support and awareness and understanding from other departments within within the corporation it that if you have commitment from the top to do this you've got more runway if there's not exactly lip service, but sort of a, yeah, I guess we need this, but we don't really know. And man, you're really going to have to prove it to us, which is to a certain extent what Karen is dealing with. Then you are sort of fighting HR because you're more of a, of an oddity that HR doesn't really know what to do with the job descriptions that one might write up for a designer or talk about the kinds of physical environments that you need. And I think that Ian's experience is somewhere in the middle in that uh, a large corporation will have different... different hurdles and mechanisms to have to work around as opposed to, say, a startup. But to your point, is this, are, is this, process, is this process leading HR into new territory or is HR continuing to be what a lot of us may see, a barrier? And I think it's, it's both and. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you know we we obviously do a lot of programming both in terms of various events we do, not just the enterprise conference, but, but some of our virtual conferences. We we just actually kind of um, looked at how product managers and UX people work well together, and you know obviously there's a lot of thinking about how developers and designers work together. 
Um, and so we rumbled through a lot of these questions, both with our event program planning, as well as our book, uh, book agenda planning. And I keep thinking that H HR is one of those next frontiers of, of how do we work with, you know, uh, and we actually, uh, just, uh, signed Russ Unger and Chris Evore, Russ of 18F and, and Chris of NASDAQ to write a, a book on design leadership. And I remember pushing them really hard to think about what's the role of HR? Should we have a third author from HR? To your point, I think that I, I think of organizations that decided to become design centric and what what they've done in that regard. And I think I look at what Catherine Courage was able to do at Citrix and Karen Hansen at Intuit and quite honestly, Adam and Doug Powell at IBM, that this, this whole conversation about design started on the product side, but because there was a mandate from the very top to turn the organization into a design-centric organization, it was always understood that as design got rooted in one functional area of the organization, the intent then was to figure out how do you migrate it out, particularly to the business services. And Catherine Courage had business designers on her team who actually worked with the HR department to think about how do you apply design thinking to the function of HR. What the outcomes of those were, I don't know, but that was part of what they did as an internal service organization. It's very definitely what's going on at IBM because one of the things that, it, one of the mandates at IBM is that everybody get trained in IBM's design thinking process to a greater or lesser extent. And so they started in the product division and then started getting requests from marketing departments and recruiting departments and HR departments to go through the workshops that they had developed. And so what they did was, what they've done um, is develop a series of what they consider to be their kind of internal executive education for design thinking, which is geared largely towards um, it, the non-design functional units of IBM. So obviously, you know, as you're looking to bring design to other parts of the business and democratizing the skill set and, and raising the, 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 the floor in terms of uh, what kind of design literacy people have throughout the organization, whether they be HR, product managers or whatever, that really changes the role of the cadre of people who are professional designers and UX people and user researchers. And um, where they may have been not only earlier in their careers, but earlier inside a large enterprise, which may have been far more tactical, where they were actually doing research or design, now they're in a different role. And um, they may be mentors or coaches or teachers or... Um, keepers of the pattern library or, or some other role that is, is less hands-on, but uh, more, more strategic, more 
um, and, and somewhat more ambiguous, not as sort of uh, obvious to people. What, what's the impact there in terms of recruiting and, and development and retention? I, I wonder if it becomes less attractive a setting for, for some people, but more attractive for others as that transition happens. It's a provocative and intriguing question. To which well, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I like asking those Which I think that there are multiple answers. I think if you look at the way in which IBM is approaching this issue of hiring designers and scaling, they are to a certain extent making a point of bringing in junior designers to a certain extent in order to literally put them through a three-month education program in IBM's particular design process, design thinking process, which, as I'm sure most of your listeners know, is an amalgam of the typical design thinking process with lean. So it's a, it's a, it's a blend of lean, agile, with design thinking for IBM's own particular flavor. So it's, a, it's, it's custom to them works for them. The junior designers come in, some of them come straight out of college, some of them have gone through a summer program that IBM offers, and then they come in and they go through a three-month internal training program, and then, they're, then they're, they're off and running and assigned to teams. Other people who are more experienced designers get to move up into positions of design lead, they may go in, they may be embedded in other product departments or service departments. To the, to the comment of Ian's that I referenced earlier, the definition of designer is changing. And I think that for those designers who really fundamentally love collaborative processes and stretching themselves into new arenas and don't necessarily want that moniker of designer to limit them to a certain set of tasks and functions will flourish in these new environments. Most of the designers that I know that are staying on board and watching as the design mindset uh, infects in a good way an organization get pretty excited about being advocates for the work that they've been doing and seeing that they are now being somewhat more widely embraced by the organization as a whole as opposed to being oh those designer people who don't really understand business and don't really get what the, the rest of us more important people are doing. So designers are not only part of the strategic conversations, but they are embedded in profit centers as opposed to being a, a service center for the rest of the organization. And that can be pretty heady because for someone who is, who is more experienced, it gives them a springboard into other kinds of other kinds of jobs. The, the whole reason that, that Maria and Christopher envisioned the rise of the, the, rise, of the, the, the rise of the Dio 
is because because of, of what we're what we're talking about that designers getting to play in a wider field and being able to bring their particular talent the the energetic curiosity the optimism the collaborative techniques the the ability to really look at needs and resonances and figure out are the products that and services that the organization is developing are they really servicing actual needs uh, out in the marketplace or inchoate needs that no one has has singled out as yet and unearthing opportunities and therefore driving that corporate strategy that this gives this gives designers a much bigger playing field. They don't have to be moving they they, they don't have to be pixel pushers. They the field of career opportunities suddenly expands in dramatic ways. And I think that there are people who will say, yes, that's for me. Well, I, I have to think that um, in, in your role at, uh, at the Design MBA program at CCA, that you and, and Nathan Shedroff and Christian Samsarian and, and other people who've been uh, involved in putting together and running that program, that, that's kind of the opportunity that you were uh, foresightful enough to, to see and anticipate. Um, so, you know, there's there is this whole new world that goes beyond, as you, you put it, the pixel pushing and that expands the opportunities. And, and that's wonderful. One question I, I have for you is, uh, and maybe a final question, a good place to end it is, so you you have this perspective uh, coming from higher ed on, on education and preparing people for this type of opportunity. Um, what have you learned uh, that may be a little surprising for you now that you've had a chance to start talking with uh, with Karen and Ian and, and Adam about their ideas uh, from inside those organizations. I'm particularly struck by the degree to which they are fashioning their own internal education programs, complete with curriculums, even even though they may not be. Um, codified in the way that we might codify a curriculum. I'm also struck by the, the need that they all have and something that we struggle with in higher ed, which is how do you properly assess a designer in terms of performance? What do you look at? What, how, how do you measure this, the, this largely qualitative role in quantitative ways, in ways that will find resonance to the people who are controlling the budgets for this kind of thing. And they, each of them have struggled with it. Some of them have come up with answers that, that others have not. But Ian, for instance, has developed whole assessment tools. It's, it's interesting to me that in the process of growing and retaining UX talent that the designer, the, the, the hiring managers themselves are literally designing 
new tools, new assessment tools, new, new measurement tools, new um, educational tools in order to do that. And that, I think, is kind of thrilling in that it again demonstrates the power of the discipline to solve organizational problems. It's exciting. Uh, rain, you know, I, I just, you know, this, it, this just makes me smile from ear to ear. You can't see it, but it's happening. Uh, <laughs> because we, you know, there are so many interesting challenges that go beyond what we think of traditional uh, uh, design we lose um, in, in context that, that where we can do what we know how to do. And um, I, I hope that anyone who's thinking about design work uh, it, it never feels constrained. That it, it can only happen in, with apps and, and websites and and uh, and print and things like that. Um, here we, we're talking about designing curricula, we're designing teams, and we're even designing events. Uh, I'm so glad you're involved in, in designing this program for Enterprise UX, Susan. Uh, we'll see you uh, in June. Yes. Uh, June 8th through 10th in San Antonio. Absolutely looking forward to it. And uh, uh, I can't wait to hear what, uh, what our three folks have to say. That's Karen Pascoe, Ian Swinson, and Adam Cutler. And uh, led by Susan Workman. We'll, we'll talk with you then. Thanks. Thanks, Lou.